This is the Sales Gravy Podcast. Hi, I'm Jeb Blunt, best-selling author of Fanatical Prospecting Objections, Sales EQ, and Inked, and I'm here to help you open more doors, close bigger deals, and rock your commission check. Welcome back to another episode of the Sales Gravy Podcast. On this episode, I'm with Amy Franco, the author of The Modern Seller. Amy's awesome, and you're going to love this conversation. Before we get started, I want you to go check out Sales Gravy University. Amy's been in the studio shooting videos, training courses for Sales Gravy University, and she joins our more than 40 experts who create content specifically for you to help you upskill, to help you prospect better, to help you sell more, build your pipeline, and grow your income. And right now, if you've never taken a course on SalesGrave University, you can use the code FREECOURSE to get any course on the platform absolutely free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com and find out for yourself why thousands of salespeople and sales teams from across the globe use SalesGrave University to learn how to sell better. Amy, welcome to the Sales Gravy Podcast. It's great to have you here. It is great to be here. It has been a fantastic last couple of days and excited to have this conversation. Awesome. So you wrote a book called a book called The Modern Seller. And tell me what you mean by modern seller. Like what does that mean in your vernacular? When I was doing the research for the book and just thinking about my own experiences as a seller, talking with my clients, watching, observing them, what I realized was there were this set of skills that started kind of rising up to the surface. And the what I call the everyday skills, prospecting, presenting, negotiating, closing, there were some sellers that really rose above and did those extraordinarily well. And as I was putting together the book and researching, what I found was there are five skills that modern sellers really do better than everybody else, but they're probably not the skills that you would necessarily think of. Things like being agile, being an entrepreneur, really holistically looking at your sales territory and your pipeline, uh, strategic relationship building, and uh, being an ambassador. And as I looked at those skills and observed not only what I've learned from my own career, what I, what I really came up with was that if you do these five skills really well, you're going to rise above. And whether you're a leader building them in yourself or your teams, you're an individual seller, these are the skills you want to be focusing on for the future. What I love most about your message is it wasn't a pandering message. So I was reading a sales book the other day ago that someone sent me. I'm an author. People sent and I've run Sales Gravy, so I get a lot of books. And I immediately opened the book up. I just picked a page, and it took me to a page where it said, everything that you know about sales is wrong, that this, nobody wants to, to sell old school anymore. And, you know, this, these, these salespeople that are like, you know, using these icky sales tactics, they're just wrong. Sales trainers that teach you that is wrong. And as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, who teaches that? Who says that? Like you think about today's trainers and I know most of the trainers, there's nobody out there teaching people icky sales skills. There's some people teaching people, you know, skills that they don't quite understand. Like for example, um, let's say take Challenger, which has been a big sort of a trend over the last few years. A lot of salespeople don't understand how to apply a system that works, but they don't understand how to use it the right way. But there's just so much noise in, in, in the system. And it seems like every book that comes out, you have to tell you that everything that you know is wrong and they're right. And you don't do that. What you say is that there are core basic activities that every salesperson has to perform it's just that modern sellers have 
elevated those skills. They've elevated the craft of selling, and they're doing it in a way that allows them to rise above everyone else and 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 sell differently, sell better. And I that's the thing that I love most about your message is it doesn't come off as just another sales expert just trying to use hype to get you to pay attention. Well, and something that you said about the uh, the application of skills, that's probably one of the biggest differences in modern selling is the level of business acumen that sellers are expected to have. It is not simply coming in and having a feature benefit price type of conversation. You really have to know and be willing to study the client's business, their industry, because you can no longer walk in and have those what I call more transactional type of conversations. There really have to be deeper, more business-oriented conversations. So there's this level of business acumen that modern sellers display that other sellers maybe don't, or maybe they just need to focus on those skills. Because in the end, a modern seller is someone who is really a, a true differentiator, which can be a little bit of a buzzword, but a true differentiator and someone who stands out for their clients. And I would say that the best sellers that I see out there right now, they really can't be separated from their product or service because they are as important to the equation of the client's yes. success as what it is that they sell. Yes. Well, I wrote a book called People Buy You because that's the truth. They're going to buy you first. They're going to then buy your product and service. However, in modern selling, and, and I want to delineate just a little bit, there are there are sales out there that are completely transactional. Absolutely. That it's a very short cycle sale. You're going to have one to three clause closes and business acumen matters to be able to connect with that person and build value bridges from what you do to their business problems and issues and opportunities. But what we're really talking about is longer cycle sales, more complex, where you can't just walk in and like give a proposal and expect to stand out. What you really need to do is be able to walk in and build a business case and be able to demonstrate ROI and get your calculator out and show them that the, the outcomes that they're going to receive by implementing your service or implementing your product and how that's going to impact the business. And I think that, that business acumen is a really important thing for salespeople today because if we just go back to the oranges, origins of consultative selling, I mean, that was what consultative selling was supposed to be all about. Again, another program that sort of got bastardized in the process and we, you know, we you, you need to be a consultant. We never actually taught people what it is, but consultative selling is important. But this also brings into play an, another sort of intangible for modern sellers, and that is that you have to be pretty smart. Like, you really need to have a high IQ. And as I'm talking with leaders and, and helping leaders make decisions on who to hire, my focus is high IQ, high EQ. And you have to have both because you if you're – if you're really, really good at building relationships and connecting with people, but you can't draw a picture for them about how you're going to help them in their business, if you if you can't build a big, good business case, if you can't get in the trenches and help them pull their business apart and show them a, another path or a new path, if you can't do that, you're going to fail or, or you're going to sub-optimize yourself over time. Or for a lot of businesses, you're going to get in the door and they're going to need a whole lot of other support in order to help you out because you just don't have the the the, the intellectual horsepower to carry it on your own. That point about being able to simultaneously build relationships and also have the high IQ about your client's industry, their specific business. I think modern sellers master that conversation. There's something else that I've been studying as of, as of recent, and I actually did a keynote a couple weeks ago on this exact topic, and I looked at it as an effectiveness quotient. So you have 
high IQ, you have that emotional intelligence, you understand your client's industry and their business, but there's also this ability to really be effective. And effectiveness is looking at, it, it's as simple as looking at your week and what are the tactics that I'm putting into my week? How am I helping my clients to be more effective? So really analyzing how we operate for effectiveness in addition to all of those other things. Yeah, I think one of the things that differentiates modern sellers from uh, from you know the, the, the people that came before them is a concept of both efficientness, efficiency and effectiveness. So it's getting as much done as possible in the shortest amount of time possible with the greatest possible outcomes. And this is also one of the reasons why modern sellers have a high TQ, which is a technical quotient. They're very, very good at leveraging tech and leveraging information to allow them to have have the ability to spend more time with people. So they're much more efficient with their time because they adopt and, and, and adapt technology to their particular situation and technology is running at a rapid pace in the moment, but they don't lose sight of of why they're there, which is the human-to-human -human connection, which you said earlier. They're going to buy the salesperson first, then they're going to buy the product or service. And I'll give you an example of this. We're doing a, uh, a massive change in the studios that you're sitting in right now. So we're um, we're building a brand new network in this building. We've grown as a company to the size where we need to outsource our IT services. Don't call me. I've already got someone doing this, folks. I know I'm going to get hammered with prospecting calls. But we're 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 looking at two different companies. So uh, David Montessori, who is our our head video engineer here, was helping me with interviewing these companies, and finally he made a recommendation. So we we sat down and we had a conversation with with two companies. We chose the company. When I walked away, I said that rep knows his stuff. Like he did his research in our company. When I'm asking him questions, there he has a crisp answer to the questions. He there's no BS. There's no hesitation. He understood what he was doing, and he was also smart enough to say what you just asked is beyond the scope of my ability. I'm an account executive. But my my director and our, our technical engineer will be able to help with those things once we get this implemented. But I can assure you that that I have clients that we do this for. I just don't have the technical knowledge to explain that. But he did it in such a confident way that I said, this is the person we need to do business with. And I went to our CFO and said, this this uh, this dude, like he knows what he's talking about. And I've I've had very few conversations with sellers where I felt that comfortable with buying them just because of the way that he was interacting. He was smart. He was crisp. He was confident. And all of those things came through and drove that buying decision. I'm going to bet he didn't show up to the meeting in a sweatshirt. He did not show up to the meeting in a sweatshirt. He did not. He was, I mean, he was, he was a professional. He was a true yeah. professional. And we're talking about over the course of five years, a, a contract that's going to go well into the six figures and, and transform our business. There's something that you said that I wanted to come back to, which is that that confidence piece and this idea that, you know, really as a modern seller for for everybody that's watching and listening to this, there is that inner confidence or inner assertiveness to know what you don't know and to be okay with telling someone, like you said, that that is above my technical capability, but I know someone who can answer those questions. Let me bring them into the conversation. That takes confidence and assertiveness and being willing to bring other people into the solution. 
And uh, something else that you said a little bit earlier around that technical quotient, I was having a conversation with the sales leader, I don't know, a month or two back. And, and he said something that really stuck with me, which was he was looking at his, um, his entire sales force. And the thing that he said separated his A-plus players from his A-players was the ability to use technology, not to let it overtake you, but to use the right tools in order to enable you to get to that next level. So embracing technology and the right tools can move you from that that A player to that really elite seller. And there's really in the future, starting today, there's going to be three types of people. There are going to be people who do not adopt technology very well. They're the people that go, I don't understand how to use this. I'm not really good with apps. I'm not really good with this. I'm not really good with computers. I'm not really good with my CRM. I'm not really good with anything. That group of people is going to be quickly left behind, and it's happening at an, at a, at an accelerating pace. They're, they're going to be marginalized. They're not going to make as much money. And if you're in sales and you're one of those people, you're going to be relegated to purely transactional sales that don't require really anything other than hello, you want to buy. The next group of people are people who are going to allow tech to 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 interfere with their ability to deal with other human beings. And we've experienced this coming out of the pandemic with an entire swath of the sales world where we're using technology to keep our buyers at arm's length. So we're, we're, we use email as a tech, but we're, we're, we, we, we use it to avoid humans, essentially. And then there are the people who are going to have a high TQ. Those are the individuals that are going to leverage technology to give them more time to be more human, to spend more time with people. And I think that in modern selling, suddenly this spending time with people, interacting with people in real time, not asynchronous like an email, not asynchronous like a video, but real time, we're really talking to each other, that has is, has reached a premium in terms of its value to organizations. And even more so as we move into the age of AI where there's fake of everything. Like, you know, even, even a video could be fake. We were we were reading an article in the Wall Street Journal this morning about the ability to create a video of yourself and then feed it lines and then it looks like you, it talks like you, it doesn't exactly act like you, but it's fake enough that you could use that to send videos to people. That's not going to work. What works is what we're doing. We're talking with each other, we're having a conversation and we're doing that in real time human to human. When you learn how to use tech to give you more time for this, you're going to make a lot more money and you are going to rule the world. These are the human beings that are going to be at the apex, at the, at the tip of, the, of, of income generation, at the tip of, uh, of innovation, and uh, at, at the people that are going to advance their careers at a really rapid pace. On that topic of time, and we think about how we can leverage tech to create more time and that time being at a premium, uh, managers, CEOs, anybody who's in a leadership role spend a minimum of a third of their week in meetings. CEOs, execs, at least half of their week in meetings. So when we talk about time being at a premium, modern sellers know how to be so valuable to those in leadership roles that they're willing to give up the little bit of time that they have for those conversations, whether it's something like this where we're seated across from each other in person, whether we're doing something on video, there's a huge competition for time. 
And modern sellers have figured out how to be valuable, not only with their own time, but maximizing the time of the people that, that they're with so that they actually look forward to that conversation. They're not going to get canceled or rescheduled because they're the ones showing up, really showing that value. But that value comes from business acumen. So this is this is one of my like heartburns over the last, say, 10 years. Over the last 10 years, this whole concept of you need to provide insights has come into vogue. And marketing organizations and even platforms like Big Ten Can have been built around like getting insight into a place that then allows sellers to broadcast that insight to executives. And that insight is useless if the executive can go to Google, type it in, and get the information. And most of them have because if you think about C-level executives – they're reading a lot. The reason they're in the C-level is because they consume a lot of information. They're constantly looking ahead. They're getting ahead of the, of the curve, over the horizon. And they probably know way more about you, than this was, about what's happening in their, in their sector than you'll ever know. And that's been the mistake with this whole concept of inside selling. And there'll be, there'll be, people, be people who disagree with me. But showing up and regurgitating information is not providing insight to executives. What provides insight to executives and where you really deliver value is your knowledge of their organization. So if you think about I'm even a business owner, like I, I'm a small company, but at my level, there are a lot of things happening in my organization that I don't know about. Now, you've probably hung around me long enough to know that I'm poking my fingers in everything and just keeping my ear out, but you kind of have to do that. But as organizations get bigger, these executives don't have a lot of information about the things that are happening inside their organization that have the potential to become a danger to them or uh, create risk or are causing problems that are bleeding profits or are, are slowing down growth. And what I find with the, the best sellers today, the, the folks who have strong business acumen, is that like consultants, they are able to get into the bowels of the organization and they're able to do it with their eyes wide open. They don't get stuck at lower levels in the organization. They're going to those levels, doing interviews, asking questions, uh, building relationships, and they're finding out things about the organization that the executives don't know about. And then they're putting it together in business cases or even just by asking really provocative questions that create awareness that, oops, there might be a problem and using that information to help those executives see things they can't see like a consultant without, by the way, telling them that their baby's ugly, So, which is important because there's some nuance there. And one example is a rep who ended up selling a $20 million deal, software, and found you know the, the, the board-level decision for that type of, 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 uh, of a uh, spend. And you're never going to meet with the board of directors. The only person that's going to meet with the board of directors is the CEO. They're not, you're not going to a board meeting. So they had to get the CEO to be the advocate for the program to the board of directors. So calling into CEOs and telling CEOs about this particular product, CEOs don't care. Like the, their eyes roll over when you talk about it. So what this rep did, which was so brilliant, was to start at the very bottom of the organization, the people that impact the organization the most who would be impacted by this particular software and start asking questions. And then did one after another, after another, after another interview, and finally put together this case where there were some things that were like major, major issues, like compliance issues that could cause some big fines, a couple of fines that they'd gotten that kind of had stayed below the surface, and then reached out to the CEO. In fact, met the CEO at a conference, right? So they went to a conference where the CEO is going to be, 
called the CEO in the hallway and said, hey, I've been doing some work and studying your organization, and I have a couple of things that I found that I thought you might be interested in. CEO said, okay, I'm all ears. It's about my organization, right? And then said, I found this, 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 and this. And by the way, did you know that you guys got this big fine that could have been avoided if you'd had this in place? The CEO didn't know they'd had the fine, said, hey, I got 15 minutes a little bit later after this session. Grab me. Let's talk. And that ended up being that deal. But the insight wasn't something that came from the news. It wasn't something that was some marketing study. You know, 53% of blah, blah, blah do this. It was something that was real about their organization that required business acumen to put together in a format that a CEO would say, this matters to me. This is interesting to me. And you're a person I want to work with because you did the legwork that saved me time and gave me information that can make my organization better. And as the CEO, now I can go to the board with a really solid business case because the board should care about yes. the about the compliance fees or whatever it is. And here's the CEO coming with answers to that. The thing that I kept thinking about as I was listening to you share that story is the undercurrent of curiosity. It's confidence, but it's not arrogance. And it's going in with that level of curiosity to ask questions and to go to the staff level of that organization to understand what's happening. And how might I be able to help you? And curating all of that into probably no more than three to five bullet points that you could share in an executive summary to a CEO. Because the CEO is interested, but they don't want the 50-page version of it. They want the Reader's Digest version. Give me the three to five bullet points that are going to be the most important to me. And what I also like about the way they teed that up is, you know, I've learned a few things just in, in my work that might be of interest to you. Okay. I'll give you 15 minutes to hear what those three to five things are, and let's see if we we spark an interest mm -hmm. in moving forward. Exactly. Yeah. Why entrepreneurship? Why do modern sellers have to think like, act like, um, adopt the mindset of an entrepreneur? There's the difference between an entrepreneur and an employee in an organization, and especially when it comes to sales. I find that the really sharpest modern sellers, the ones that practice that business acumen, they look at their territory, their geography, their book of business, whatever it happens to be. They really look at it like a business, which means they are looking at the top line. They're looking at the bottom line. They're looking at risk. They're looking at opportunity. You make different decisions when you look at it in that way. And when you look at it in that way, you will take different deals you will analyze those deals differently. You will have different conversations and want to get to the CEO, like in the example that you just described. If you see yourself purely as an employee, you essentially are looking at just getting a steady paycheck, perhaps. And we need employees in our organizations that are, are, are in those supporting roles. But as a seller, you're a revenue and a profit driver. And you're the one that's out there leading your geography and leading your territory. You have to be thinking like, a business owner and look at all those different facets of, of the business. Well, I think that being a sales rep or a sales professional is the ultimate entrepreneurship. If you, if you change your mindset and the way that I look at it is, is a salesperson, you get to be an entrepreneur, but someone else took all the risk out of it. So your only risk is you don't perform. If you're an entrepreneur and you started a business, you've got a lot of things out there like not being able to make payroll. 
But so you get to you get to work on your own, think on your own, like you said, think like an owner, and you get to make variable income, which is what entrepreneurs do. But there's not a lot of risk in it for you. The downside is really very low for you, and the upside is really really high. So I do think that's that's incredibly important that people think that way, and I think it's I think it's also important for the modern workplace because it, there is some there is some of that. You know, I'm working for the man. You know, I'm I you know I'm I'm an employee. I'm not going to work as hard as I could. I think that as we move into a time of lot a lot more volatility, a lot more uncertainty, uh, potential recessions, we've got a lot of uh, just disruption all over the world, and an employment is beginning to come back to a normal time period where there are more jobs or more openings, and we're requiring people to be super smart for those jobs. You you put yourself in a much better career position when you think and act like an owner versus thinking and acting like an employee, and you're much more likely to get promoted and get the rewards that come with that. There's a certain level of discipline that comes with thinking and being like an entrepreneur. And a lot of sellers are working from home offices, right? And owning your time. So back to that that time as this very valuable currency owning your time and having the discipline and the habits in place to create that success. And and going back to something you said way at the beginning that that kind of that idea of being kind of old school. This might be a little old school, but modern sellers, elite sellers, they do the foundational things really well. They have a sales plan. They might have their quota. Of course they have their quota, but they're also going to have their mm-hmm. own individual sales plan. They are going to know what their goals are that they are striving toward. They are watching their activities and their metrics. Those are the foundational things that modern sellers do really well in addition to everything else that that we're talking about here. Well, first of all, there's nothing old school about setting goals. There's nothing old school about having a business plan. There's nothing old school about adopting a mindset of success. And in fact, there really is no old school or or new school. There is none at all. There's only the school. And if you go look at top modern sellers, if you go look at the top professionals in any industry who are making it rain, they adopt the school of selling. And what they do is as the world changes and it changes and as technology changes and as techniques changes, they begin to adopt those. They they get adept at them and then they adapt them to their world. They use that to tweak their efficiency and their effectiveness and their ability to deal with other people, but they never abandon the basics and essentials of selling. And uh, this is a gratuitous book club, a book plug, but this is exactly what I wrote about in my latest book, Selling in a Crisis, is in uncertainty, in volatility, in, in dire economic situations, you have to go back to the basics and fundamentals. Warren Buffett said that it's only when the tide goes out that we get to see who's been swimming naked. And all of the people who have said, I'm only going to go new school, like, you know, Coles, that's old school, right? You know, um, you know, working for the man, that's old school. Suddenly it comes back that you have an empty pipeline, so you better pick up the phone, right? It comes back to having face-to-face conversations with other human beings, whether it be on video or it be in person, those things really matter. Your ability to ask good questions and get below the surface and really understand a business and develop a proposal and a business case for why people should do business with you based on what's important to them, all of that comes back into vogue very, very quickly when you're starving to death. When 
we were, you know, you're in a time when uh, there's more demand than supply. Or excuse me, more, yeah, exactly, more, more demand than supply. Make sure I didn't get that messed up. But in that case, yeah, you, you can sit around and just take orders. But when when that dynamic shifts to the other side where there's there's more supply than demand, suddenly you you as a sales professional, you're going to earn your chops. So the, the school matters. Basics, fundamentals, essentials add to that intelligence, business acumen and ownership mindset. Uh, that that to me is what really sets people apart, not some some fancy new silver button that we click that makes us all better. And, you know, there's some AI machine that's going to make you a better salesperson. It's not. You think about a modern seller being an entrepreneur and back to that idea of ownership. And when you take a look at your sales life, you get to own it. You get to own it. And if you think you're working for the man, you're working for yourself. So do you create the right environment for yourself to be successful? Because like you said, I 100% agree. Sales is the best job in the world. You get to be that entrepreneur, but you're also surrounded by a support system. And do you create the right environment for yourself? And when you do commit to creating that right environment for yourself, then you can create all the success in the world. But if you see yourself simply as someone who's collecting a paycheck or you're going to be bound by what's happening outside, all of the disruption that's happening outside. You know, for example, I've had a conversation with a number of clients who have um, prospects and clients who have grown by simply raising their prices. So you talk about the, the law of supply and demand. Well, you can only raise your prices for so long. And if that's a false metric. And if you are a really smart modern seller, you're not just looking at raising prices. You are looking at how can I create more overall success, more volume? How can I actually sell more? Because that, that pendulum is going to shift. The uh, disruption is always happening, and you can't rely on those false metrics to help you to be successful or what looks good on paper. Okay, one last thing. You mentioned working from home. So over the last few years, there is a movement out of office buildings into homes. And right now we have a movement in, out of homes back into office buildings because those same CEOs that we're selling to have had enough. Like they they've, they saw initially they saw productivity rise and now they're seeing that productivity is not rising. In fact, it's shrinking and people working at home are distracted. They're not doing their job. And that doesn't mean everybody. But in general, we're not getting the productivity. So executives are saying I've had enough of this. But if we think about selling, and I, I really do believe that there is a rebirth of field sales. I mean, I think everything went inside for a long time, and companies are recognizing that if you've got a large, complex product or software or service, you need to have salespeople who are sitting in front of their prospects and doing the things that we were been talking about, being able to build a business case, being able to connect the dots. But I was, I was in 1994 working from my home as a salesperson. I, I was a field sales rep. I had an office, but I never went there because I got up in the morning and I made prospecting calls and then I was in my car and I was with clients all day long. And there are lots of people who do that. My son right now who works for Comcast Business, that's what he does. He gets up in the morning and he's on the street and he's knocking on doors and he's got to hit his quota. And if you don't hit your quota, you're in trouble. So I think that in this world where people want that independence, a lot of employees are going to lose that because they failed. But field salespeople in particular, and some inside salespeople, so in individuals who sell primarily over the phone and video, uh, 
those individuals are, are going to earn the right to stay in the field or, or continue to work from home, which to me is the ultimate freedom. I loved, I loved it. I was good at it. But you have to be able to hit your quota and exceed your quota. So you need those goals. But if you, because if you perform, that's what I love about sales. You're performing. You just tell the boss, this is what I'm going to do. Because nobody is going to dictate to their top salesperson what they should do. Oh, you're going to have to come in the office at eight o'clock in the morning and be here with everybody. The, the top salesperson is going to go, great, I'll just take my talent someplace else. What advice do you have for salespeople in in modern times when we have all this flux for where people work for maintaining your status of, I get to work from home? I'd offer up maybe two things. The first is looking at the relationship that you have with your direct manager and also your leadership team. Do you maintain a healthy, connected relationship with your chain of command, essentially? The better relationships that you build around you with your leaders, the more that they know what it is that you're doing. You're not just out there. They, they have no idea what's going on because you maintain that relationship. That's one thing that I would offer up. And by the way, that's that's partly EQ, right? The the ability to build those relationships and the, and the awareness of stepping in their shoes and recognizing that if they don't have information that's coming from you about what you're doing, they have fear. And where they have fear they panic. And if they panic, you're coming back in the office so they can look at you so that they have peace of mind that they know what you're doing. In the absence of good information, we make up stories. Yes. And those are the stories that they start to make up. So so that relationship piece is really important. The second thing that I would offer, and I say this goes back to the fundamentals, what are your habits? How do you discipline your day? Are you doing the right strategic activities? Because if you're doing the right strategic activities and you're tracking them in the way that they need to be tracked, your leadership knows that you're doing the right work. And then that speaks volumes when you exceed your quota. So it's it's discipline, it's habits, it's your sales plan, it's those fundamentals that make you make you work toward excellence. But you also have to want the excellence. You have to have that internal fire, that internal motivation that says, I own this, I own my day, I own my sales life, and I'm willing to build those habits and essentially make those sacrifices to be successful because that work at home and that being being in front of your clients, that's a privilege to be able to do that. And when you look at it as a privilege and you want to be excellent, then that's that internal fire and motivation to do the work that needs to be done. Amy Franco is the author of The Modern Seller. You can pick that up at Amazon.com and find out more about Amy Franco at amyfranco.com. And you yesterday did 22, shot 22 courses that are going to be going on the Sales Gravy University digital learning platform. And before we go, what was your experience? What was that like? And what people, what can people expect from the courses that we'll be uh, editing and putting up over the next month or so? Well, first, the experience was so much fun. I mean, really getting into the studio, it's intense work. You talk about having to have habits and discipline and, and being ready. It's intense work to do that, but it's also a lot of fun. And I hope that that shines through when people get the opportunity to see those courses. Um, what you can expect is a lot of really practical 
strategies, but also tactics across a variety of topics from planning out your prospecting to how you qualify opportunities to some of the mindset pieces. How do we think about our approach to sales and think about ourselves, things like executive presence that you can really use and learn from to build that entire that entire modern seller package, if you will. Wonderful. I can't wait to get those up. I think the folks who are using SalesGrave University, our team, our subscribers, our LMS integrators, they're going to absolutely love it. And thank you so much for joining me here on the SalesGrave podcast. And folks, if you want to go check out the courses on SalesGrave University, if you're a first-time user, you've never taken a course before, you can use the code FREECOURSE to take any course you want on the platform, anyone, pick, pick whatever course makes you happy, give it a try. You're going to love it. Go to learn.salesgravy.com, learn.salesgravy.com, and we'll see you next time on the SalesGrave podcast. Mm-hmm.